I love our church, and I love you. I'm so thankful for you. Um, I'm so thankful for a community um, that doesn't just gloss over the challenges of life, the difficulties of life, the realities of life, but that uh, we're a people who, with, with God as our foundation, we, we recognize, you know, the difficulties and the challenges, and we, we recognize that God does not leave us alone in that. And I hope you know that. I hope, I hope you know this is the kind of church, this is a, the kind of community that is a safe place for you to walk through and uh, face some of the, the greatest challenges that you'll face in life. Ah, life's complicated, isn't it? It's not as easy as sometimes we want to make it out to be. Sometimes we want to think that life is easy and simple, and it's not. Life is complicated. Thus the name of the series, It's Complicated. Because it's complicated. Life is complicated. So what I want to do, I want to I start out with a little game. You want to play a little game? Okay, good. We got a couple of you who maybe want to play a game, and we're going we're gonna, to... What I want to do, I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's called this or that, all right? Simple, this or that. There's, I'm going to name two things, and I want you just to yell out this or that, which one that you would choose. And I don't want you to think about it like a long time. I don't want you to like, oh, I need some clarification. None of that. Like you just have to like this or that. And you, I just want you to yell it out. First thing that comes to your mind. You got it? Pretty simple, right? Easy. So here's the first one. Fall or spring? Oh, that was almost divided, like fall and spring. So some of that depends on where you uh, live, like at a regular basis. Um, here in Phoenix, I don't know that we have a real fall. And so spring, I heard spring was one of the loud ones. Um, okay, so fall or spring. Okay, here's the next one. Deep dish or thin crust? Ooh, them are fighting words, apparently. Yeah, you, you're... Mm, about your pizza, aren't you? All right, here's the next one. Let's see what we got. Mountains or beach? Mountains. I love it. It's so confusing. Like, I don't even know what you're saying because it's like all jumbled. Look at the diversity that's in the room. I mean, you like disagree on everything so far. Okay, here's the next one. Salty or sweet? sweet. I was talking about language. What were you talking about? <laughs> no, no. Okay, next one. Morning person or night owl? Morning, night, yeah. Um, Charlie, this morning, uh, he was riding with me, and Charlie's our youngest, and he's in sixth grade. And he is, it's, it's so funny, he, he went to bed early last night, and I said, it's the weekend, you're allowed to stay up late. And he's like, I know, but I was running a camera at church. He runs one of the cameras sometimes at church. He's like, I was running the camera, I knew I had to get up early, and so I decided I probably should go to bed early. And I'm like... Who are you? <laughs> He's a morning person today. Okay, last one, last one. Here we go, last one. The book or the movie? Oh, it's complicated. Some of you are like, well, it kind of depends on what book and what movie we're talking about. Like, is it the book or the movie? Now, just a simple kind of game exercise. And did you know that your brain is wired to... In a, in a quick way to categorize things in the most simple and efficient, read maybe lazy way possible. Did you know that your brain is wired to do that? 
Did you know most of the decisions you make on a daily basis actually are quick decisions that are almost subconscious in your brain, categorizing things to help you know how to live life with all the things that you're experiencing? Does that make sense? Are you with me? So do you know about the limbic system of the brain? Have any of you studied the brain? If we have any who's done a lot of deep study on the brain, I'd love for you to come up at this point and lead the rest of the way. <laughs> I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. And I, I guess some might even say um, a, a theologian at some level. I'm not a brain scientist. I even used the wrong word, neurologist. I'm not any of that. Um, but I, I've been reading a little bit about the limbic system, and I think this is quite interesting. It's fascinating the limbic system in our brain, and they're still discovering all kinds of things about it, but the limbic system in our brain takes in information from our eyes and uh, from our ears and attempts to as quickly as possible categorize those things in simple categories so that we might maneuver through life in ways that are most productive and safe. And so... When you experience something in life, when you come across an object, your brain is quickly categorizing that so you know what to do next. And so uh, there's some categories like uh, good or bad or evil. Yeah. So if you're someone who can't stand seafood and you walk into a sushi place and you smell and see fish, your brain quickly categorizes that restaurant as bad and you wanna leave, you wanna get out. Now some of you are like, that's crazy, sushi's awesome. Because your brain categori categorizes it differently in a different space. Um, we, we experience something and our brain quickly categorizes as safe or Dangerous or unsafe? Yeah. Let me give you like a quick example of this uh, with one of our, our sons, the oldest of our sons. Uh, Connor was a swimmer when he was young. And there was this tragedy that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, not with our son, but um, we read it about it in the news where a, a child had fallen into a fountain and had gotten caught in uh, the drain. And the dad had jumped in to help save the, the kid who had gotten caught in the drain, and both the son and the father passed away. They drowned because of the, they got caught in the drain. And uh, Connor, who was a swimmer at the time, his brain took in the information, and the limbic system of his brain categorized drain as dangerous. Um, fast forward like a month later. Connor is swimming in the city championships, neighborhood championships, and he gets assigned lane number two, I believe it was, and Connor is on the edge getting ready to swim in uh, the meet, and he looks down, and what does he see in his lane? A drain. They blow the whistle to start the race, and Connor is paralyzed, even though he was the fastest kid. I mean, I'm not saying he's the fastest kid. <laughs> he's paralyzed on the side of the pool because there's a drain. The limbic system quickly categorizes. And it does this as fast as possible. It wants you to be efficient. It's lazy. 
because it wants you to do things as fast as you can do them, and it categorizes them quickly in this or that. The challenge with the limbic system is that it doesn't only do this with things, it also does it with people. We, as humans, our brains work in such a way that we quickly categorize people based on some assumptions or things that we see or hear from them, and we quickly categorize them as good or bad, in or out, us or them. And I think this is one of the greatest challenges we've had as humans in the last two years. We quickly categorize people. Our brains are almost wired to do it. We quickly categorize people and we place them in places in our minds even though we know life is complicated and more complex than that. We know we're complex people. We don't want people to categorize us, yet we quickly, and sometimes I'm not even like pointing fingers at us or myself, because sometimes we do it subconsciously. We don't even realize that we're doing it. In fact, many um, who study this a lot more than I did, so I, I just did a quick study and reading, and you, you should like read a little bit more because it's fascinating when you get into it. Um, some would even suggest that if we grow up in certain communities, and these communities um, tend to not have much diversity in them, that when we experience diversity, because our brain has never been able to compartmentalize or categorize, that we automatically consider people who are different than us as dangerous. Now, there's a lot of deep thinking that can go in there, and we're not going to go down that path today. But I think that's one of the challenges that we have in life is to realize that life is complicated, and people are complex including ourselves. We're complex individuals. Um, I was watching a documentary. I, I, I've been watching tons of documentaries lately. I don't know why. I just, I'm fascinated by real life. And I'm fascinated by the stories that people live. And um, because I'm from Alabama, I guess, I recently watched Leonard Skinner documentary on Netflix. And it's fascinating. Do, do we have any Skinner fans in the room? I was going to have... Um, I was going to have Sean, who's an incredible guitarist, play a little Freebird, and I was just going to sit and enjoy it. And because, um, you know, Leonard Skinner, right? I mean, and uh, so I was watching this documentary about Leonard Skinner, and they were crazy, number one, but very complex. And they said a lot of things that you wouldn't assume if you just, like, thought about. So Leonard Skinner, most of them were from the South, the Deep South. And you might quickly uh, categorize people from the Deep South in a certain category in your mind, such as, see, I don't even want to fill it out, but you're doing it for me, right? You're like, such as, now, if you're from Alabama, like I'm from Alabama, and you wear an Auburn shirt instead of an Alab University of Alabama shirt, the roll tide, um, you would quickly consider, and I can just say this because I'm from there, you would say, oh, he, he's an Auburn fan, he's a redneck. He's not very smart. That's what people from Alabama would say about me. Um, and 
that's just part of like how we categorize people. And you might categorize Leonard Skinner or some of the, you know, Ronnie Van Zant, the people who were in Leonard Skinner in a certain way. Interesting though, if you listen to some of their songs, how it goes against the stereotype that we have because life is complicated and people are complex. Um, David, David, who's, we read about his stories in, in scripture, he wrote a bunch of psalms and they're almost like prayers and praises to God and questions to God. And uh, there's Psalm 139, which I think is an incredible psalm. Um, he's, he's speaking to God and he says this, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. God, you, like, you know and see everything about me. You know when I sit, up, sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I come home. You know when I, where I am and you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Like, God, you know everything. You get the picture? Like, he's like, God, you see it all. Like, there's nothing that escapes you. And then he continues. You go before and you follow me. And then there's this line he says, God, you placed your hand of blessing on my head. I love that little line. That's another sermon. We'll get to it one of these days. But for those of you who have had little kids, when you're walking through like a theme park or a game or something like that, and you put your hand on them and you're kind of guiding them, there's just something safe about that. And um, David says, God, you, you know everything about me, and you even placed your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful it's too great for me to understand. I, I can never escape your spirit. Like even when I try to run from you, God, you're even there. And some of you are like, I don't want God to be everywhere. Like there's certain places it's great, but I don't know that I want God to be everywhere. But David's saying, God, you're, you're everywhere. You know everything about me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together. In, in my mother's womb. Now, some of us might read that and, and we think, oh, you know, ancient, the ancient world, they, they weren't very smart back then. Like we know now through, you know, our brilliant medical minds that God doesn't knit people together in their womb. Guys, this is poetry. Like this is David saying that God is the creator of all things and God works in systems in ways that we don't understand. And he's saying, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb, like you were above the creative process and you were a part of it all. And then he says this, thank you. In fact, let's read this together, this next line. Um, oh, wait, go back. Um, the thank you part, let's read this one together. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Like David is coming to this self-awareness that he's a complex individual. In fact, in the middle of this psalm, he goes into this diatribe, like he goes into this, like, he's like, God, if you would just destroy my enemies for me, that would be awesome. They're your enemies too, just so you know, like, just wipe them from the face of the earth. Like he goes into that, but David's coming to this place of self-awareness where he understands I'm complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And then, even though God knows him so well and he's so complex, then this next slide, he says, um, how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Here's what I want you to hear, church, that even though you're complex and you're a mess and you need to know that, you are a mess, you're broken, like God knows everything. He knows your secrets. He knows all of it. He still has wonderful thoughts about you. Come on, that's good news. 
Like God still loves us. Because God sees the complexity of the broken world in which we live, and that doesn't give us license to use our brokenness to hurt other people, but it does remind us that God is above all and in all, and he sees all things, and he still loves us. His thoughts about us are precious. They cannot be numbered. Like if God were to list, make a list of why he loves you, like, the paper would be too long. Like, it can't be numbered. There's just too much there that God loves about us. And then David says, search me, as he gets to the end of this Psalm 139. I encourage you to read it this week. It's, it's actually a part of your journal. He says, God, search me and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. And God, then point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along everlasting life, the best kind of life, the fullness of life. Like, lead me to find and experience the fullness of life as I become more and more aware of my brokenness and my sin before you. What David is saying here, I think, is what we all need to say. The reality of what we need to say. God, you're awesome. You love us. And we've made a mess of life, and we need you to help point out in us and reshape us so that we can experience the best kind of life that's possible, and that is in community with other people, even though life is complicated and complex. That's what David said, and I think that's what we need to say as we go on this journey together. Uh, Flannery O'Connor, if you know Flannery O'Connor, um, she said this, the first product of self-knowledge is humility. Like when we come to know ourselves, we, we find ourselves in a humble position realizing the truth. Like understanding the brokenness that is deep within us and putting us in a place where we need something. We need an outside force, the Spirit of God, to come in and reshape us. And listen, here's the beautiful thing about the brain. I don't know a ton about the brain. Some of you know so much more than I do about the brain. But here's what I know about the brain, is the brain can be rewired. Did you know that? That the brain can actually create new processes and streams of thoughts if you work at it. And if you open yourself to the Spirit of God, your brain can begin to take in the complexity of other people rather than just categorizing them and placing them in an us versus them position. It can begin to understand and appreciate the complexity and how complicated life is. Here's the deal. When we ignore the brokenness and pain in our own lives, now come back with me for a minute. Don't miss this. If you, if I ignore the brokenness and the pain, if we do not become more self-aware of what's going on within us, we will tend to create brokenness and pain in other people's lives. Does that make sense? I mean, you've heard it. Hurt people hurt people, yeah. Broken people break people. I've never heard that one, but. But if we ignore, if we ignore the brokenness and pain that is a part of our lives, um, it's, it's quite possible that we're just going to cause pain and brokenness 
with the people that we love the most. Isn't that so true about what we do? Have any of you ever been, uh, have any of you ever had a parent? <laughs> and the reality is when we look back at what, how we grew up, many of us can pinpoint different problems or pain or things, circumstances that happen that um, we wish were different. And the reality is many of our parents, so many of our parents were simply acting out of the pain and brokenness they had in their lives. And if you go to a counselor for any length of time, you'll dig into that. And it's sometimes really difficult to do. To, to look at like some of the, the, the pain that has been a part of it. So here's what we're gonna have you do this week. And um, I'm just gonna spend a couple minutes on this and then barbecue. Because barbecue fixes everything. Now here's, here's what we want you to do this week. In your journals, uh, there's five days, Monday through Friday. There's five different exercises for you. And these all have to do with, with turning inward, realizing the complexity and, and how complicated um, life is. And we want you to take some time to dig into what's going on within you, how you're wired. And whether that comes from nurturing, like how you were raised, or whether it's just your nature and uh, how things were put together as you were being formed, um, it, does, it doesn't really matter. It, it just matters like what you do with the complexity that's inside of you. So uh, day one is the Enneagram. So tomorrow, uh, some, some of you, not all of you, some of you will skip this one. Uh, the Enneagram is this interesting, uh, it's not really a personality quiz, but it's this little bit of a, of a typing that helps us understand what's deep within us, what kind of needs and, and things we're looking for deep within us. And there's nine different categories that, that are there, um, and you try to like kind of find yourself. But here's the thing about the Enneagram. Some of you are like, oh, the Enneagram, that sounds like, are we a cult now? Or like, what's going on in our church? And um, the Enneagram is just a tool, and it's a tool to help us better understand our complexity. And here's what Ian Crone says about the Enneagram. The true purpose of this is to reveal our shadow side, our sinfulness, our brokenness, and offer spiritual counsel on how to open it up to the transformative light of God's grace. Like, that's the purpose of this. Now, the challenge of doing any kind of personality thing is that we simply begin to categorize and use it as a hammer towards other people. That's not what it's for. Like, it's not for saying, oh, like Robin on the Enneagram, she's a nine. It's not for us to go, oh, you're a nine. <laughs> of course you would say that. Like, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is self-reflection and realizing that as a one, my tendencies are actually to try to make everything perfect and to like pinpoint everything that I see that should be made better and realize, oh, that's not healthy. People don't like being around other people who just tell them what's wrong in the world. And it helps us deal with the complexity and ask God to give us grace and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Um, so, that's day one. Day two 
um, on, on Tuesday this week, and I could actually walk through the pages with you, um, but you can, you can do that later, uh, page 60 and 61, uh, the Myers-Briggs. And we found this great tool called 16 Personalities that helps you use the Myers-Briggs, which is one of the older of the personality quizzes, and puts you in different categories, but we're not going to categorize ourselves. We're just going to understand our complexities. This is some of them, and then here's some other ones that you'll see uh, based on kind of where you are, introvert, extrovert, are you intuitive, are you sensing, are you thinking, are you feeling, all those different crazy, like you're going to dig into that. Here's the thing about the Myers-Briggs. I find these things fascinating. So um, knowing yourself, Aaron says, uh, knowing your type isn't enough because the knowledge isn't enough to actually set us free. We are still a people in need of a savior. These tools are not the end goal. It's not to categorize yourself. It's to lead us to a place where we recognize our need for the transformative grace, the Savior who is Jesus, so that we might be formed in his image. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So don't use these tools to, number one, excuse your behavior. Well, you know me. I'm just the one. Let me tell you what's wrong with your hair. <laughs> like, that's... Sorry. Um... Or, that was me. No, I'm sorry. Um, I really am. Hey, it's complicated. It's not, it's not an excuse, and it's not a hammer to categorize and, and use to hurt other people. That's not the purpose of these tools. These tools are to lead us closer to God. Um, the third day, Wednesday. You're going to dig into spiritual gifts. And here's the beauty of what God does in you and in me. He gives you an incredible spiritual gift. He gives me an, a, a spiritual gift that we are supposed to use for the good of the community, the kingdom of God. And uh, Peter writes, God has given each of us this spiritual gift. Use them well for what? For your own gain. He says, use them well for your own gain to make yourself a better person. No, use them well to serve one another. Like, don't use the beauty of what God's given you just for yourself. No, no, use the complexity, all that stuff that's in there. Use it to serve others and to lift others up. So you're going to walk through these things. There's a couple other days. There's a day of reflection where you think about the people in your life, the experiences of your life that have shaped you. And then the last day, there's an acronym SHAPE that you'll work through. Um, great tools to help you understand yourself better. And here's the big picture. Um, wherever we are, there we are. Brilliant. Wherever you go, there, there you are. And you understand your complexity. You understand that everything's not simple. You, you understand that there's more story behind you than a, just a category. Now think about this. I'm gonna step on some toes. Republican, Democrat. Mask, no mask. Oh, I better stop. I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get in trouble. Listen, we, we begin to categorize people based on what we see or what we think we see, and people are saying it's more complicated than that. Don't just put me on one side of the line or the other in an us versus them category. 
There are stories behind each one of us, and they are beautiful stories. All of us are broken. All of us sin. All of us make a mess from time to time. And God loves us still. His thoughts about us are beautiful. They're precious. And just like God loves you and your complexity, he loves them, whoever you've put in the them category. Are you with me? Now, I, just, I saw this a couple weeks ago, and I'll end with this, and then barbecue. Um, I, I love this. I think, I, I, I think this helps us um, understand some realities of the complexity of life. Uh, Pastor Chris in, in Alabama, um, he said this. He said, what's interesting is we've become great judges of other people's sin, but great lawyers of our own. We become great at sitting at a bench and judging other people from a distance. Not understanding or realizing or appreciating the complexity that is found in that person. And at the same time, we become great lawyers who do understand the complexity and how complicated we are as individuals. And we want to provide defense for our actions. Ooh, that'll preach. So I thought I'd end with it and then tell you to talk about this while you eat barbecue. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so grateful for God's love and his grace. I'm broken. I've got things in my life that uh, I picked up along the way that are just, oh, they're just ugly. You know what I mean? And you do too. You've picked up some things in life that are difficult, they're challenging, they're complex, and they're ugly. And as we begin to understand and as we begin to, to look inward at what's going on, gosh, my prayer is that we would become humble people who learn to listen more than we speak and who learn to, to be slow to anger. I think there's something in the Bible that talks about that. Slow to speak slow to anger, quick to listen. I, I, that's, I think we need to get there, don't you? Okay, so would you stand with me? Um, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to be done in here, but part of the beauty of McDowell is the community of McDowell, and we want you to experience the community of McDowell. So some of you are going to, like, you want to sneak out, and you're just thinking, oh, my goodness, two minutes till the game starts. I'm going to get and go, and and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Listen, even if you're only here for five minutes, go say hi to somebody. Like, talk to somebody. Don't just slip out and run away. If you want some barbecue, there's going to be some barbecue. If your kids want to jump on one of those inflatables, they can do it. There will actually be a football game in the student theater on the other end of the building. So if you want to see the beginning of the game, you can see it. It's awesome. We got the Packers today. Who else we got? We got the Cardinals today. I see some Broncos running around here. We got all kinds of good things. McDowell, I love you. As complicated as you are, as complex, I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.